I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to Going Offsides, presented by the Lacrosse Collective on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of Going Off Sides, presented by the Lacrosse Collective. On today's episode, I sit down with Jack Smith, the current assistant coach at Lawrence Tech University of the NAIA, and we discuss things like his background, how he got to LTU, how LTU has grown over the last five years, the NAIA as a whole, and how fall ball might look. Jack, why don't you start off by telling people a little bit about yourself? Uh, uh, my story is kind of wild. Um, so I originally, um, went to college at North University, a private school in Midland, Michigan, there for about a year and a half, um, and decided that, uh, I wanted to, they didn't have college across. It was in varsity sponsored. And, um, I had a couple travel, uh, buddies that were playing at Lawrence Tech at the time. And, um, it was the closest thing to home. It's about 45 minutes away from my house. So I decided it would probably be a grand idea to transfer to a, a pretty rigorous ac- academic institution and play lacrosse and commute. And uh, I found very quickly that that was a very difficult and daunting task. Uh, I, at the time, LTU was com- uh, competing in MCLA. So um, I was just like, oh, it's just club lacrosse and they're giving out athletic scholarships. And I'm like, this is like the ideal situation. And uh, little did I know that um, I was walking into – absolute chaos and chaos I, I embraced and loved and um, I eventually uh, kind of like settled in at the university I had to sit my first year due to some transfer rules with my credits and then I uh, finally got super geared up and ready to go um, we brought in a new assistant coach um, and then it was going great we had about 14 15 dudes playing teams with like 20 to 30 30 to 40 people and beating them it was an awesome experience, pretty surreal. And then, like, mid-March of the season, uh, not like I was, like, some outstanding athletic, like, player or anything like that, but suffered a torn meniscus in my knee, tried to, like, p- push through it. And, uh, you know, with a roster that small, you kind of, like, either do something with playing and, like, kind of bite the bullet. Or uh, me and the assistant coach, who's now the head coach, decided that it was best that um, maybe I was time to put some khakis on and help run the box. and. Ever since then, I really haven't left the box. Uh, I went from just like being a student, like lacrosse player, helping out on the field, um, to now being in my fourth season uh, as an assistant coach there. Um, currently, the defensive coordinator, head of recruiting. Um, and then on top of that, I'm also that going to my third year, I can't believe that, as, my, as a head coach at Romeo High School, my alma mater. And then I also uh, coach travel with the Juice Cherries. So um, wearing a lot of hats these days. I'm currently an LTU student, as many people like to point out. So it's like kind of living the, the dream in the spring of not seeing my friends or my family. But um, definitely definitely a really wild journey for me. Uh, something, something most people don't experience in the coaching ranks, but something I, a journey I thoroughly have enjoyed and, and have put to the task and got, got better every single day with it. So, I mean, it's definitely my lifeblood is, you know, Nick, you and me are, you know, coaching's our life. So this is, this is what we have right now. Right. I mean, you're what, 22 years old, 23. 
Yeah, I, I just actually turned 24 this 24. past month. So yeah, yeah. most 24 year olds, uh, you know, the typical coaching, you know, path is to play four years, become a GA, then become an assistant coach, hopefully paid. And, you know, you've been able to kind of do that for like the last three or four years while getting your degree, you know, you're fortunate enough to what you, you coach one of your brothers, right? So I, I coach, uh, Joel, I coach Joel LTU mm-hmm. and I coach actually my youngest brother, Romeo. Another Smith. <laughs> There's another Smith, the, the tall Smith, if you can believe it, the one that's actually over five, eight. So there you um, go. Physical specimen in that house. Yeah. So, you know, a ton of height at my house. Some people are shrubs, some people are trees, but the shrubs always look a little better, you know? Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely super cool to be able to coach those guys at both levels. They're both like two different types of people. So it's, uh, it's definitely unique. You gotta kind of be a different coach and you gotta be a brother at the same time, but you gotta find that separation when the whistle blows. So it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. I'm sure it makes uh, for some interesting dinner talk at the, uh, at the table. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, five years ago, you go to LTU playing in the MCLA how much has changed from from that time to where we are today? Where we're on the cusp of seeing the NEIA sponsor lacrosse as a championship sport. Um, I think that uh, years of establ- establishment at MCLA has made it quite the pro- quite the, the organization, and I think the NEIA is definitely heading in that direction. I think that it's uh, the organization with the NEIA. The first couple of years was. Um, coach driven for sure and uh we're very fortunate at the nai to be able to offer the athletic aid for most universities and be able to pull in this some serious talent and um now more than ever i feel like the whole organization or unit is really heading in the right direction it's it's definitely growing you see like three or four teams pop up and uh, people had had questions of sustainability for a couple years but uh you start to see most of those like top tier NAI teams, especially those in like top five, really compete with their regional D3 teams and even some of their lower end D2 teams. So mm-hmm. um, I think the NAI is booming. I, I, I think it's a great opportunity for student athletes to pursue. Um, you know, anytime you can get your, your college paid for athletically and academically while getting a great education, I think is the ideal um, path. But uh, I, I'm I'm very happy to be coaching in that AI. I have I like I like you know the Cherries program is a very successful travel program, and uh, those guys are more so on the path to go to Division One most of the time. And um, at times I was thinking I'm like oh man maybe my uh, my job is to eventually move on out of LTU, but you know, I've I've kind of fallen in love with the university and the NEI is kind of just heading in the, in the right direction. So there's not really any reason for me to leave. So I right. I I speak volumes, but I mean. I preach it to my high school kids about pursuing NEI uh, sports in general, but the lacrosse players, I'm like, there's so much opportunity out there for people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people don't understand what it is. I mean, when I had to explain it to people, because, you know, I was an NAI coach for three years. Yeah. I was like, you know, we're basically those, those medium to small D3 schools with a D2 athletic model. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got the same type of campuses of the D3s, you know, the WAC compares very well to the MIAA here in Michigan. So, you know, there's a lot of schools, you know, look at Siena Heights and Adrian, one D3, one NAIA, one WAC, one MIAA. 
They're like yeah. five minutes apart. The campuses they're are all right. across the street. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're literally identical type situationally. They're, they're very similar campuses, very similarly run. And, you know, I would argue over the past few years, Siena Heights would uh, definitely be the better in that matchup. So oh, it's, it's interesting. You know, people are, are most of the time just misinformed or, or uneducated on the idea of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was always recruiting against some decent regional D3s and some terrible lower end D2s. We were always <laughs> stealing kids saying, you know, you could go play D2 if that's just what you want to say to people is that I have a D2 scholarship and live in the middle of nowhere and get an okay education. Or you can live in some bigger cities and, uh, and get a good product as well. So yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of that. I mean, even just this past off season, I've seen a lot of D2 players moving around, joining some NAI teams, you know, going from St. Leo to Indiana Tech or um, LMU to Indiana Tech. Those are two examples. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, Santa Heights uh, got yeah. one as well. I know. Who, do, who did you just uh, get recently? Well, uh, I mean, Jack Johnson, When he's from UND, but yep. uh, he's also a D2 guy. And then we, our face-up guy is actually a D2 guy from uh, Alabama Huntsville, so. Oh, um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So there's, it, it's, it's funny. It's like, you know, that comes with threes kind of thing. And now it's like, everyone's kind of like loading up on, especially at that level, because, um, with, in comparison to D3, uh, we play Hope College every year. You know, Coach mm -hmm. Shanholz is a man. Yeah. We used to play and too. It's, it's an awesome opportunity to play those guys. He has a great team and they're the, they're the mantle at my double A right now. And, Mm -hmm. We give them a one goal game like every year and uh, it's never discouraging because, you know, those guys are supposed to, those guys are the front of it. And um, like just this fall, we, we went and played uh, Seton Hill down in Ohio and um, you know, they got some big athletes. There's no, undoubtedly some big athletes. And um, I was, uh, I mean that you kind of make the comparison, like that Seton Hill team could beat some mid low D one teams. It's like, Oh my God. And, Listen, we didn't get crushed, but we definitely didn't play an uh, eight or nine goal game against those guys. And it's like seeing that that jump. Uh, I mean, you know, years ago when like Denison like beat Michigan, it was like unheard of. And now you like kind of look at the balance of the field. So I think that happens now. Absolutely not. I think Michigan crushes Denison, but <laughs> it's uh, it's it's crazy to see where the growth of teams goes and how fast they go. I mean, uh, just just in the past couple of years, you look at Kaiser University, like Kaiser University. Uh, you know, Patrick made that team in literally one year and took it to the national championship. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're like, oh, well, who got a bunch of dudes from West Palm Beach playing Reinhardt? And now it's like it's happening and a couple everywhere. Canadians, of course, always a couple of Canadians. Oh yeah, that. yeah, that, that yeah. They they had a, they had a really talented team, and I um, and now you see it more than ever. And uh, that Weber International in Florida. I mean, they got a legitimate coach, you know, at the mantle over there, and. They got some serious talent coming down there. So I think that people, especially uh, some of the younger coaches, want to see the NAI be a big faction right now. But I, I think it's going to take a couple of years. And in that couple of years, as long as you let it grow at the proper rate, it doesn't burn out too quickly. It's going to be an awesome organization to be a part of. Yeah, I think the, the quality's on the rise. The coaching's on the rise. I think the other thing, too, is uh, it just needs more brand recognition. You know, when it comes mm -hmm. to basketball or football or baseball, the NAI actually has quite a bit of history, has turned out some Hall of Famers, but, you know, lacrosse is already a newer or a younger 
developing sport in general in modern society. So mm. NAI is even younger uh, in that scale. So it, it'll be good. It'll be, it'll keep growing. And I think, like you said, there's a lot of overlap between the tiers. You know, there's some low level D ones that would lose to some high level D threes. There's some really, you know, teams like Reinhardt and Kaiser and you guys at LTU. I mean, you could definitely hang with some really good D threes and some, some mediocre to low end D twos. And people just mm-hmm. need to understand that. Um, and also, they I think they need to understand, this happens all the time, that uh, scrimmages are oftentimes misleading. So unless it's, a real, yeah. unless it's a real game, we shouldn't be doing the transitive property to compare <laughs> levels of talent. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, I hear that we, way too we, often. Recently, like you're speaking, it's like, you know, you play like a lower level club team in the first half, you uh, destroy them and in the second half you put your backups in and they somehow win the game you know something like that yeah. happens or you see like, like at, oh. a, at a cancer showcase you see a d3 team play uh you know a high level d2 but the d2 team only plays like they're freshmen like you don't know yeah, like situ- yeah you, you don't know the situation every coach treats it differently so yeah absolutely 100 yeah, yeah uh, so. i i i think um more i think more than ever um you know passing the eye test is it's big yeah. thing for a lot of people, but like the people, the people always know, right? The guys who are into lacrosse and the people that are, mm-hmm. are you know, students of the game are always like, "Hey, wait a minute!" You know, when a certain game goes the wrong way, you're like, "All right, let's see who is in the starting attack line, who's starting right. that yep. in the second half," and you're like, oh, "Okay, this is a uh, this is a tune-up game for this team, and this te- this other team's like fighting for merit." So it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, with my I co-host, think... we always send each other like, "Did you see this score?" And then one of us will be like, "Well, we'll one of us will be connected to one of the coaches, and we'll be like, yeah, so this is what actually happened.' Like, yeah, it's a little bit misleading. Is it still impressive? Sure, but it's a bit misleading. And you know, mom and dad on Twitter, they don't know the difference between mm-hmm. you know what the coach is planning on doing. So it's it's always quite interesting, but um. So well, like we're we're both film guys, so you just know like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna make a decision how I feel about that game until I watch the whole game. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you're like what numbers are playing right now and what, what mm-hmm. what's going on because the box score is misleading. Yeah, hey, was that three time All American? Did he even play? Yeah. Oh no, there he yeah, is. Yeah, you're like yeah, there he is in the uh, in khakis. Yeah, sit on the sidelines wearing a ball cap, not even dressed up. Yeah, that's yeah. That's so, happened before. So speaking of improving the the NAI, like what do you think is like one of the biggest changes that could be kind of implemented or worked towards to make it either more legitimate, legitimate, more popular, well more, you know, more well known, or just more competitive? Uh that's a great question. Um, I think that there's plenty of things that I would love for the NAI to do, but I think the most important thing is I think we we're doing a great job with media coverage between the Lax All Star guys and uh, uh, our boy at Lax Updates. I think those NAI Lax Updates. I think you guys all do a really good job and providing as much coverage as possible and having our own little bubble. Um, I think that this year was going to be super awesome because the national tourney was in Savannah, Georgia at SCAD, and uh, I think uh, we do a pretty good job with media coverage and everything like that. Um, you know, the sponsorship of the national sport, national championship sport is going to be probably the next level. And I, that's something that I, the NAI really can't fuel. It's got to, it's got to be a university basis. Um, but some things that I would like to see, um, I would, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, how do I put this? 
there's a lot of weight on the coaches back to fuel the, the NAI. And I think um, they should trust a little bit more third party uh, like people, like much like in the NCAA where they do all American voting that comes down to like four or five private parties. And rather than nowadays with the NAI, most of that voting is, is uh, not it's like all conference level, but it's all American level is through the coaches. It's like you kind of want some unbiased people and there is some unbiased people, but those unbiased people might not be educated on the sport, um, which is, listen, I'm not here to point fingers and say they should do this, do that. But if I wanted to see something, it would probably be that. And uh, I don't know, maybe a sponsorship for the national attorney. I don't, I, there's a couple of different things they can work with, but I think uh, over time, the things that, I, that I've wanted for the sport at the NAI level has been there and it's, gotten better over the years i don't think they've taken a step back yet and i think there's way more steps to take forward so it's not really much like i can really pinpoint what i see i would love to see uh, at the whack level t-shirts when you win the conference championship i just know it's never gonna happen <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting you know i've seen it at other levels and you know when you get to the when you get to the conference championship you know when i was at detroit like you'd get a backpack with the conference logo you get a t-shirt and then obviously at if you win the whole thing, you get to go to the next level and you get a ring. So I think having some kind of reward doesn't, doesn't hurt, but some things that I've always thought would be nice would be, you know, at least even on the conference level. And this might've changed in the last year and a half since, since I was involved, but we never really had mandatory film exchange. Yeah. And that that's like always been a pain. That was always yeah. a pain because it's like, how can we be legitimate? How can we be the best coaches we can be and put the best product out there if mm -hmm. we can't even get film? And it's just always bothered me. And the other thing is, and, and again, this might have changed recently, but there's no real limit because we're not a fully sponsored championship sport. There's really no like scholarship limits and except for those placed on it by the university themselves. So mm -hmm. some schools giving absurd amounts of money to lacrosse players while other schools, not very much. And I understand that that might not change, you know, depending on what, what ceiling that they put on it, but having at least some kind of consistent ceiling on how much athletic aid, a, you know, an individual player can give or a program could give could help some of the younger programs catch up a little bit and help spur some growth. Because right now, if, if a certain school, you know, I'm not going to name any names. There's quite a few of them that have pretty good setups for giving aid. They can definitely dominate quickly and, and lure those D2 kids away and maybe get a D1 transfer here or there. So I think those two things would also be important. Mm -hmm. I think I uh, pertain to the athletic scholarships that I, uh, universities there is a conference rule that they're supposed to follow um but most of the time like those books don't really get checked unless it's a sponsored sport so right you'll never we never really do know what kids are being offered at other universities like i'm never going to ask a kid who i lose to another NA school like hey would they end up paying you over there like i never have asked that before but um our yeah. motto at ltu is you know if the kid wants to be there he's going to be there and uh, we're not like a traditional liberal arts school. We're a tech or a we're a STEM school, a technology school that you know is rigorous academics. So it's like, um, you know, it's no it's no sweat off my back of a kid. Like I just don't feel comfortable going here because you know retention is very important for us. Um, 
I mean, the last like four or five years, we've only lost like of the 55 kids came in, we've only lost like five or six kids. So um, we definitely, we do a lot of in-depth recruiting at LTU. So it's not like, I, I, I refuse to get in bidding wars. Um, mm-hmm. And I know some coaches are really keen to get in the bidding wars. Um, but I like I'm in like I'm in the utter belief of always is I I recruit kids that I want to be around and I, I shouldn't have to buy my friends so um, and I've, some yeah. people have that philosophy so I I agree I, that's you know that was always my plan A but at the same time you know I wasn't fortunate enough to be at LTU in terms of academics mm-hmm. so yeah you know our profile where I was was very similar to some of the other schools in the conference. So we did kind of have to get into a, at least a little bit of an informed bidding war. I mean, there's always a limit, but the only time I ever asked a kid to see his offer was like, hey, here's my max offer. However, if you can like, you know, I hate to say the word prove, but you know, kids inflate numbers all the time. They yeah, might cool, say yeah. I have a 10 grand offer, but in reality, it's like half of it's student loans and they don't even understand it. So we might say, hey, if you can just show us your financial aid letter from school A, we can at least match it. And yeah. that would be the the most intrusive we would be. Because again, I would hate to lose a kid over $500, but some parents have literally said, listen, your school, that school, they're pretty similar. We like you a lot, but we're, we don't have the money. So it's we're going to just go to the cheapest place possible. And I, I hate that, that that's the case for them. Because mm-hmm. ideally we want the best fit and we want everything like that. But also it is a business where we got to fill the roster. We got to be competitive or else we don't have a job. So I agree. Yeah. That's always plan a plan a is to get the best fit. The kids that want to be there more than anything and where it all makes sense. But sometimes you have to take chances on kids and sometimes, you know, you have the to. Chances. Yeah. It's like kid doesn't work out, man. Just, no matter how bad you want the kid to be there and just to be working hard, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And it's, you know, you yeah. can't lead the, you can lead the water to the horse to water, but you can't make the horse drink it kind of thing. So, yeah, exactly. You know, you, you yeah. do your best, you, you try your best. You know, we, we always told recruits, you know, we're never going to lie to you. Like, it, this is what it is here. Like, you're not going to show up yeah. one day and be like, wait, what? Nope. We're yeah. very honest because I'd rather you say no now than, than to call me and tell me you're transferring. So, uh, we lost way more recruits on the front end than we did on the back end. By yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So let's dive in r- real quick. I mean, COVID is such an overplayed, outplayed topic of conversation. But since it's not going away anytime soon and things keep developing, uh, fall ball. Right now, I'm as we speak, I have stuff going on in the background saying, will we have college football in the fall? So to go off that – Will we have college lacrosse in the fall? What What do you think? What's your gut? Uh, my gut feeling. Uh, my gut feeling. Where, where are you leaning? Let's, at, let's say leaning. I don't want you to get in trouble. Um, I don't think there's going to be fall athletics. I, I just, I, I just can't see it happening. Um, I like for two reasons. I think that, um, I think that universities are gearing up to see if that. There, there's a there, there's a huge domino effect in, in college athletics and just colleges in general. Um, as much as people like to believe their colleges are different than other colleges, they're really not. They're all very similar in how their universities operate and how they respond to certain things. And um, no one wants to be that school that is the first or the last to do something. And as soon as you see a couple start to cancel athletics, then you'll see a bunch of others. And um, I, I just, 
I listen, I want nothing more than normalcy to happen. And I, I, I completely agree that, um, you know, COVID as, as crazy and as serious as it is, like I want it to just go away, but it's, it's not just going to go away. It's not like Thanos has snapped and COVID out of our, out of our realm. And I just don't, I, I can't, I can't see the university putting other people at risk to, to have athletics. Um, I mean, is there a chance that, you know, things happen and it's just suddenly the TRNA drops under one and just kind of develops into the common cold and, you know, we all hold hands and dance towards the, the life of normalcy. I think that it could always happen, but um, with college athletics kind of like canceling and, you know, I see Michigan Dearborn and uh, how you say Bowdoin? Is it Bowdoin? Bowdoin. Bowdoin. And I, uh, and I, like, they just cancel athletics and, I, I think that I'm not surprised by it whatsoever. And I wouldn't be surprised if more people canceled it. And I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't as well. But um, I just, I'm un, in the under belief that we won't have fall athletics. Uh, I think spring's going to be a good, good time to start. But I mean, there's, there's a lot of play. I mean, you know, the, the football is football's king around the Midwest around for us. And, you know, having that hard conversation that maybe football isn't happening. I mean, you know, soccer and all that stuff can be pushed to the spring and, um, winter sports are probably going to happen indoors, but we'll, we'll see, you know, there's, it's just the, the uncertainty behind it is always the most difficult part of the conversation because not knowing is, is, is definitely, it makes your mind wander on where it could go and where it could be. And um, I, I think that we're going to be back on campus, but athletics, I just, I don't know. I, I, you know, and you, you being at both of us being at the high school level with everything too. So, um, you know, those guys going back to school or maybe not going back to school. I, there's a, a lot of unanswered questions and there's, but there's also like an, a lot of unanswered solutions. There's a lot of unanswered like that. So, yeah, um, I mean, the week before our Michigan high school tryouts were, were happening, we, we started to get wind that this was more serious, that things were about to change. You know, we were lucky at our high school. Most of the parents, you know, I work at a private school. So most of the parents work at, you know, university of of Michigan uh, hospital. So they were like very aware of what was happening and what might be, might be to come. So we were starting to prepare early and it got to a point. I'm like, are we going to, are we going to do something? Are we going to not do something? Like, I'm just tired of the waiting. Like, yeah, are we going to cancel? We're we not going to cancel. I hate having like to go to practice, like the first four days of tryouts as like, Hey, no, I, I have all these great plans for this year. However, any day now they could pull the plug and then, you know, so you're like half, you're one foot in like hoping for the best, but you're also like, like you don't want to get yourself too committed and, and then have everything just fall apart on you. I can only imagine you were halfway through a lacrosse season at the college level and it's like, Oh yeah. Done. It was really tough. Um, I mean, I think we talked about this before. Uh, it was actually pretty surreal how it all happened. Um, I mean, we were, I think we were honestly one of the last college games to play. Like yeah, in the country. You were. Yeah. You uh, were. And, and it was, uh, I, I, you know, you have these moments in life and whatever mystics or religion people believe in or whatever type of grounds they believe in, uh, you get those feelings like, you know, every couple of years and uh, about like you just that gut check in. Um, we were that Thursday night, we played Kaiser. No, we played Kaiser on Thursday, played and went Wednesday. We were watching film and in the hotel and we had only one senior on the team and the one senior is the kid who I was freshman with uh, my first year. And I was, I kind of like 
stopped, paused the film and I was reading the room and I'd been watching the news, you know, I, we get canceled, uh, next sack that canceled, um, Patriot league was canceled. And you kind of like read the white on the wall and some people are like, you know, the NEI is a different thing, but like I said, everything kind of dominoes after that. So I knew it was happening. So I, I said to the guys like, listen, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm more positive person. I'm the funny guy in the room. And I looked at her one and I said, um, you know, tomorrow's could very well be the last game of the season. And uh, we have one person in this room who definitely isn't playing lacrosse next year. And, uh, you know, tomorrow's got to be a special day. And, man, it couldn't have been a better day. I mean, we played, you know, Kaiser. You guys played, one of the, you guys played phenomenal that day. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, Kaiser is a phenomenal team. And they, the hats off to them. They played an astonishing game. I mean, they, they're, they're a great team. But it was something about that night. And even Patrick had tweeted, you know, it's like red sunset. It's like 78 degrees. Um, beautiful night, like not like a cloud in the sky. And uh, it was just so surreal that these guys, like they didn't know if the season was over. Seniors didn't know if it was going to be the last year, like last game. And um, we played a game. It was a great game. Pat, you know, from there, with that all the seat, the I'm still playing. I mean, I told us, like, don't shake hands after the game. Because you, you know, COVID was happening on. So, like, that's what we're talking about. We play a full contact sport, and then, like, all right, no shaking hands after the game. So, whatever happens. Yeah. And so, we pack up the hotel that night. You know, we celebrated. We go out to dinner. Super exciting win. Next day, we wake up at the airport. Um, we get the phone call from our AD. He's like, we're meeting with the WAC right now. We had just found out because people weren't canceling their season, people were suspending their season. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we're going to cancel all their out-of-conference games and we're only going to play conference. And we're like, all right, sweet. We're gearing up to play clients on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's a big game for us every year. So we're, you know, eyes front to those guys. And we literally land in Detroit and, uh, you know, Nemzak gets like six or seven missed calls. And it's, it's Scott Trudeau. And he tells, uh, he te- before you can tell our senior uh the NEI, the WAC tweets out that the season was canceled and it was heartbreaking. Um, yeah. I mean, we're coming back from a, a, a spring break trip that's the most successful spring break trip we've ever had. We went down there, went two and one, had a heartbreaking loss to Reinhardt, but you know, we, we beat a really good D3 fairly Dickinson from New Jersey while we were down there. And that was kind of like low key. No one really knew about that. And the bus ride from the airport to school was probably you could literally cut the air with a knife. It was so tense. It was like, everyone's just in shock. Like, uh, so, you know, to the seniors who aren't returning next year in competition, you know, I, I, I feel for you guys. Like, you know, like at the high school level, it's even worse because like those guys even have like one game under their belt. They had yeah. literally the week of trials exactly. in crappy weather. It wasn't even like you guys were playing in like 65 degrees, 65 degrees sunny. And no. my Romeo guys, like I, I felt so bad because I'm like, those are guys. The reason why I took over the program was those seniors. I I I'd coached them since they were freshmen. That was my first year coaching with those guys. And it was like it was like all so surreal. So it's definitely gut wrenching. But you know, I, I think all good things that happen. Uh, you know, you're, you're sacrificing for a better thing. And I listen. I I know you know people in the front line needed that. They needed that breather. And can you imagine if we didn't pause at that time and we went like an extra two weeks? Like good God, like the hospitals and you know, we're very fortunate we caught it at a good time or a good time or a better time than it could have been. But um Yeah, things certainly could have been worse. 
but you know, like you said, there's, there was no, you, you look for the silver lining in those situations and you try to make the best of it. And mm -hmm. I think you guys did a good job. Everybody got, you know, we wrote an article about that, how everybody got creative to, to honor the seniors and to do their best. And, you know, we're, we were all in uncharted waters. We, no one, no one had ever been through anything like this. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, now, now we move forward and we try to see what next year looks like. And hopefully, I know, seriously. hopefully there is a next year, you know, hopefully the PLL goes off without a hitch and, and we can enjoy some lacrosse this year still. And then, you know, we'll see how the NLL goes and we'll see how everything mm -hmm. else goes from here. But, you know, like, like you said, looks like everyone's going to, or most people are going back to campus in some form. Yeah. You know, we would love to have football. Of course, we're always fans, but you can't have just football, right? You got to have everything. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have football. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, like you said, fall ball is unlikely, but you know, hopefully that, I mean, there's teams out in the East that don't even do like the Ivy League and that's kick. I don't even think they do fall ball. I don't think they're allowed yeah, they do to like, like a, yeah, they do like a team workout to conditioning. I think they may do like a couple. Yeah. It's not yeah. anything too crazy. I yeah, mean, I our fall ball, football is like pretty long. We, I mean, I mean, I you can go pretty long. It's long yeah, as deep three. So it's like, you can go like five, six weeks, depending on how yeah. you, how you work your schedule for the year. So yeah, it, it's, it's going to be like that. I mean, other, other schools have done it. Everyone will adapt at the end of the day. Everyone will adapt. Everyone's on the same playing field. Um, and you know, hopefully, Hopefully we don't lose too many programs over this. I mean, that's yeah, really, I, that's what we're really worried about. I think that the big issue right now, and um, with the NCAA and the NEI, is just hoping that these you know places stay afloat. I mean, at the lacrosse level, you know, you see the Furman Furman get cut, and that's super heartbreaking at the Division One level. And super happy to see that there's been no other news. And um, you know, there's always some you know, names floating around that you just don't want to believe, but until it happens, you're like, you want to act shocked. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but... well, listen, it's a convenient time for an AD to look at the budget and say, what's not making us money. Seriously. And now luckily and, uh, at, at the NAI D3 level athletics is, is it's enrollment driven, you know? Mm -hmm. And for the most part, if you're carrying your roster of 20 or more, you're going to cover your cost to the school. So, you know, we're in a good position at those schools. It's those other schools where maybe your, your roster has always been historically low. It doesn't really warrant keeping around and it's easier to, to just, just cut it. It's a nice time for the AD to just be like, you know what? COVID and then Seriously. just slash it. So I would, I, you know, I'll be shocked if there's not a few more, I'll be even more shocked if, if a couple schools themselves don't survive this. Cause a lot of schools don't carry the endowment needed to, to survive a giant hit in enrollment. So, you mm. know, not to be all doomsday ish by any means, I think, you know, most people will be fine, but certainly there is some, some reason to be, uh, worried. No, I, I agree. I think um, I don't think it's like doomsday. I think it's like pure pure realism now. I think uh, I think well, people, these are places uh, that we're gonna eventually cut it anyway, or eventually gonna close anyway. This is just sped yeah. up. Yeah, and, absolutely. Know, I think, yeah, the market's saturated with with private schools that have been charging way too much for way too long. So if you're if you're one of those schools that isn't like LTU that isn't academically challenging and well regarded and has a great reputation, you have to be worried. If you have just an average education and you charge forty grand a year, people are going to stop coming. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, it's definitely a money cow for some people. I, I think it's like the most like interesting thing in the world. To, uh, I, I can't imagine recruiting anywhere else. I think that I talk about that with our head coach a lot. And I, I like I just can't imagine selling a product that isn't LTU at this point. And it's like, you know, the we're very fortunate to have such great student athletes. Like we we joke around about what what kid can, can are we eventually going to find a kid who gets a perfect SAT score, perfect ACT score? Because like we're so close, we're so close to finding a recruit like that and bringing them in. Um, you know the people we compete with uh, academically normally normally it's like University of Michigan or you know like Kettering University or mm-hmm. somewhere in the Midwest like a D three school, um, and it's like you know you look at that experience and I mean Concordia Ann Arbor where you at was also a great university. It's like how do you sell a product that's not selling itself at one point, you know? And uh, it's, it's crazy to think that some people are out there selling a university that um, maybe isn't as academically inclined. Um, and then the university you see like two months later folds and you're like, Oh wow. That's, that's the reason, you know, that's it's kind of a sinking ship. And I hope it doesn't happen to a lot more. Oh, like I said before, I'm, I'm a fan of the sport. All I want to see is across the boom. I want to oh, see absolutely. like every absolutely. division one team have a team and, NEI have 120 teams and have awesome media coverage and have the professional league grow. And, um, but it's, you know, we're, we're going through some, we're definitely going through some speed bumps right now. And, um, hopefully the people that do get through like great, that they stay strong for years to come. And there's something like this never happens ever again. I mean, yeah, no matter what happens, I we'll w- come out of this, you know, a little bit smarter. Yeah. A little bit leaner. Yeah. I mean, I know budget I cuts are coming regardless. Leaner. Well, but you know, we might have put on fifteen pounds, but yeah, that's the, what I'm saying. Like you mean like physically <laughs> yeah. or like financially. Yeah, but I know that all these budgets are getting, you know, I have D one coaches telling me that they're being asked to cut twenty five percent. Uh I know one conference they even said like you don't have to play everyone in the conference this year. Like we will we, we will figure it out but to cut your travel costs because that's the that is the quickest way to cut your budget is to cut one or mm-hmm. two overnight trips and you're there's 25 percent. so but listen yeah. man it's been great having you on the show yeah uh, i, I just want to thank it. you for being here at, you know episode episode three and uh we'll, ha- we'll definitely have you on in a in a couple of months and see where we're at yeah, hopefully uh, next time we're talking, we're talking about lacrosse happening on the weekends and normalcy is back. Exactly, buddy. That's it for another episode of Going Offsides presented by the Lacrosse Collective. Please follow us at Lax Collective on Twitter or go to our website, thelacrossecollective.com. Stay tuned for more episodes.